This episode is sponsored by the Hohoba Company. I firmly believe that massage therapists should only be using the highest quality products because our clients deserve it and our own bodies deserve it. I've been using Hohoba for years. Here's why Hohoba is non allergenic. I can use it on any client and every client without fear of an allergic reaction. Jojoba is non-comedogenic, which means it won't clog pores. So if you have a client that's prone to acne or breakouts, Jojoba is a great choice for them. It also won't go rancid. It doesn't contain triglycerides like many products, so it won't go bad. This makes Jojoba a great carrier for essential oils too. And finally, Jojoba won't stain your 100% cotton sheets, so your linens will look better for longer, and since Jojoba won't go rancid, They'll always smell fresh and clean. For more information and to get some jojoba, go to massagebusinessblueprint.com slash jojoba. That's massagebusinessblueprint.com slash J-O-J-O-B-A. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Massage Business Blueprint Podcast, where we discuss the business side of massage therapy. I'm Michael Reynolds. And I am Alyssa Haynes. And we are your hosts. I am your long-lost host, who is finally back. <laughs> Glad you joined us for today. I was telling Alyssa, I've forgotten how to podcast. Where's the documents? Where's the record button? Where's everything? So uh, I'm glad to be back. I had a, I'm uh, glad you're bla- back too, Michael. I um, it was really fun to like fly solo and just do like wacky things at wacky times with a bunch of whole a uh, bunch of guests. But actually, I mean, I guess this isn't. We did podcasts the last two episodes together when we were in at the Spinweb Studio in oh, Indianapolis. Yeah. But this is the first time we're like remote back to our old patterns which you know for better or worse here we are (laughs) (laughs) back to our old patterns that sounds so so negative (laughs) it really does (laughs) ah but so comfortable so um so yeah so you're right the timing wise i guess it doesn't make sense that i say i'm back because i was sort of back previously with the recordings but anyway um i am glad that we're kind of uh, back in action in our standard format and we have a really really fun show today so this was actually suggested by uh, I think more than one of our premium members. Yeah, uh, but our friend Bethany is the one who was like, hey, do this. Yes, Bethany. So thank you, Bethany, for that. Hey, hey, what better time than episode 115 to finally introduce ourselves, right? Yeah, who knew? Yeah. Who knew? And you've gotten little drips and drabs, but I think that we focus so hard on trying to um, focus our podcast on things you ask us and all about you that we may have um, forgotten to talk about ourselves on occasion. And, um, oops, my bad. You know, we try so hard to be non-salesy. Um, and I really even realized this. Okay. So let me just tell the story. This is, um, opening. Okay. FYI's people, this is probably going to be one of our longer episodes and there's an excellent chance I'm going to swear at some point in it. So you've been warned. Go ahead and put the E um, right there in the notes. Yep. So you can, uh, tell um, because you. I, I want to be like straight up and truthful with all of you in a very clear way that you may not have heard us be. Um, so the other day I got a message from a very nice Facebook friend uh, who is somewhere else in Massachusetts. I'm not sure where. And so I kind of know her, but I don't really know her, know her. And she sent me a message that said, hey, what do you think of Massage Business Blueprint? And I thought, huh, I'm not sure what she's getting after here. (laughs) And so I replied and I was like, well, what do you mean? And then I said, no, 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 that's a trap. Don't answer that. I'm one of the founders of Massage Business Blueprint. So I think it's pretty awesome. And I realized that in my effort to not be salesy, I have under-promoted Massage Business Blueprint, at least amongst my personal friends and connections, and even those several hundred massage therapist friends and connections online. So 
I, I'm going to just straight up be a little salesy with you. If you don't know already, we have a premium level of membership that you can access at massagebusinessblueprint.com. It's nine bucks a month. It gets you all of our archived uh, webinars, webcasts, pardon me, that we have recorded. It gets you a whole bunch of blog posts reserved just for our premium members, usually including various uh, documents and templates for contracts and leases and uh, blog posts and tons of images and things like that that's available. So that's my sales pitch in case you didn't know that we did that. And the best Facebook group for massage on Facebook. Oh, it's so good. It's, uh, it's got a real, it's getting a little bigger, but it's still got a real small time feel. Everybody's nice. Nobody says dumb things and people are awesome and kind and you can ask really basic questions and not feel silly about it because people give you wonderful, beautiful answers. And if anybody's a jerk, I kick them out, which actually hasn't had to happen yet. So yay. <laughs> good job us. So right, I'll let you take control. No, no, control is an illusion for both of us, so no worries there. <laughs> so, so today's episode is titled, Who Are Alyssa and Michael Anyway? So uh, per request from, uh, uh, like I said, one of our members, Bethany, we are going to talk about ourselves a little bit during this episode, which is uncomfortable for me because like Alyssa, I, I prefer to focus on you, our listeners, and you know, give great advice and great tips and education, but today we're just going to talk about ourselves because some people would like to get to know us better. So. Um, Let's go with it. We have some questions people have asked us. We do. And we, we put this out to everybody on the Facebook page and we got a handful of questions. So Michael, what's the first one? The first one is from Sakina and she's asking best nope, job. No, and- no, one above that dude. Are you not looking at my document? Look at my cheat I'm looking sheet at document. the one I, I printed out the email. Oh, okay. I might've changed the order on stuff. I thought you were looking at this. Okay. So we have a live Google doc. All right. I look at the Google doc instead. Oh, you're killing me. (laughs) I may or may not edit this if I feel like you're literally in the document right now and you're not looking at it. Well, I printed out the email you sent me. Okay. You printed something out here. You can listen as I crinkled up. Thank you. Okay. The document has been crinkled and disposed of. So first was actually from Jen and she says, I would like to know how you two met and created Massage Business Blueprint. Okay. Can I go first? You can go first. Yay. Okay. So uh, several years ago, I was volunteering with the Massachusetts chapter AMTA. I think at the time I was like their education director and I was serving on a conference committee and Michael was running his spin web and he was also president of the AMTA uh, Indiana chapter. And SpinWeb was creating a website for the Mass Chapter AMTA, or they had created it. And it was right around the same time. I think this was 2010. It was early 2010. And um, sorry, I had a little brain thing when I was thinking about dates and, there. And SpinWeb was, is my digital marketing agency, for those who don't know. Yes. So they were doing websites for a whole bunch of AMTA chapters, Massachusetts chapter included. So... Our, our names had kind of crossed each other and I started my writing a blue streak blog. And for whatever reason, Michael connected to that. Um, so we kind of knew who each other was ish. And I wrote a blog post that was said that was titled why, um, I don't know, like my, my best friend, my client and Laura Allen are all my Facebook friends because that was like a whole big controversy about should your clients be Facebook friends and da, da, da. And this was very early. And again, remember this is 2010 and I wrote this post and wrote it about like using different settings and lists and stuff. And Michael replied, like he had subscribed to my, my blog post to receive it via email. And he replied saying, you're brilliant. 
And that was like one of our first communications. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, this very smart person thinks that I'm brilliant. And we instantly became friends online. And then several months later, we met in person finally in Minneapolis, one of our favorite cities, at an AMTA convention. And we passed very briefly one morning or something. And then that evening, our friend Angie, we had lots of uh, comments. not quite how it happened. I, I remember it happened where you basically kind of ignored me and blew me off. So I, Okay, no. I was coming back from a baseball game because I'd gone to a Minnesota <laughs> Twins game. Did not know that Michael was like, one of the or no I was heading out to the game and I didn't realize that like Michael was one of the people in a, within a small group that I was near and didn't even recognize him because that's who I am as a human being so <laughs> anyhow whatever at whatever point uh, we ended up having our first real conversation at our friend Angie's birthday party and within about 20 minutes we had decided that we were going to one day start our, our own professional organization so um, it, it was like really like one of those very intense conversations. Oh, yeah. We're like, we're going to take like, over the world. People would like walk over and try to talk to us and then just turn around and leave. It was awesome. And there was cake. <laughs> I guess we were kind of rude, weren't we? <laughs> we were wicked rude and didn't care. So, um, yeah, so that happened. And so we have done a few little projects over the years. And then finally, two years ago, Michael said, listen, are you going to turn your blue streak thing into something? I think I'm ready to do that with you. And then we created this, which it turns out I just needed an accountability partner to actually make things happen. And that's my version of the story. And Michael can tell you if there's um, how wrong I am. No, actually, most of it was correct, except for the part where you blew me off and ignored me. And because I was like, I had my hand raised. I was like, hey, it's Alyssa. And you like totally walked by and I was crushed. But I got over it in five minutes. Um, you left out the part where I tried to find sushi for uh, the math chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you yeah. were going to bring that up. No, I totally forgot that. Although Michael and I do have a talent. Um, it's part of our friendship quirk where when we try to go to restaurants, they're always closed. So, and it hasn't happened much lately, but the first few years of our friendship, whenever we tried to get sushi or pancakes anywhere, um, the place was closed. Like to the point where when I went to visit him in Indianapolis for the first time, we, he was like, I got to take you to this pancake place. And we get there and it was closed. So we went to a Star Trek convention instead. It was fine. Yeah. Um, Which was so, yeah. a great, you know, a great backup plan, actually. <laughs> it really, really was. It was pretty good. Um, so that's how we met and how we created MBB. I think you've uh, covered all the bases. I, Thank I, you. That's a pretty good representation. I got nothing else to add. So, all right. Uh, now you know, people. So what's next? Looks like Sakina has our next question is asking best job and worst job. You go that's first, a, Michael. Me, oh, That's a tough one. I've had, well, here's the thing. So I haven't necessarily had like full-time real jobs. Mm -hmm. So my first job as like a punk kid was working in a grocery store as a, like a courtesy clerk, which is basically all the crap work for all the store. So I did that. I handed out flyers at a mall one time, which was pretty bad. Um, and then I've had like various like internships and contract gigs. Like I worked at the Department of Labor for a summer doing web development. Uh, that was actually a pretty cool job. Uh, it was, I lived in DC. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I also worked at a global internet service provider in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That was kind of fun. I got to do lots of development work and this and that. But those are all little kind of incidental jobs because I actually started my marketing agency in college. So I guess I'll have to say that's my, that was my best job like to date. Although now I have to say my best job is obviously founding Massage Business Blueprint. Cause you know, what else would I say? That's, that's there you go. Okay. Pretty, that's a good answer. So um, my best job, 
I feel um, was when I was a summer camp program staff uh, two years in a row when I was in college. And the first year especially was really good for me um, because I was uh, 19 years old and it was a program staff job. So it wasn't like a camp counselor. It was a camp run by the United Methodist Churches. I'd been there as a camper. I'd gone, I'd uh, counseled as a volunteer and it was a really cool like nine or 10 week summer camp where a, a different group of kids would come in every week and there'd be several sessions running concurrently every week. So you might have a bunch of middle schoolers at fishing camp and you'd have some high schoolers doing night camp and you'd have some very young kids doing an arts and crafts themed camp all week. And it was residential. So the kids stayed there for a week and the program staff would run various activities with different groups of kids throughout the week. So in the morning I might have, I might be running an arts and crafts program with one group and then do some kind of group initiative or low ropes course with another group. And it was physically and mentally probably the hardest job I've ever had, but I was 19. So you can do that. And I worked with a team of like 12 or 14 other summer camp staff that was there all summer and we worked hard and we played really hard and it was all just and we half of our staff was international so they were from other places so I still have a couple of great friends who are in England and uh, Barcelona I have a friend who's like high up in uh, some kind of political job of Barcelona and uh, also a friend in Australia and it was invigorating and I felt like I probably functioned at my best for that nine weeks of summer when I was 19 years old. Clearly, it has stuck with me. And my boss, <laughs> the Reverend Jeffrey Thomas, who is now a hospice chaplain, uh, is still a very good friend of mine. And um, I think when you, it, he was also the first person of color I ever knew. He was running that camp from the time I was little and then hired me. And the second summer I worked there, he and I clashed. I, he put me in a slight leadership position in which I epically failed. And to have that experience there and that was the beginning of really learning about myself as a manager and as a leader and to have an adult relationship with that friend and mentor now is hugely important to my development as a business owner which is why I counted among my best jobs and really the best job I ever had the worst job I ever had it's a toss-up it could be my very first job where I packaged pewter souvenir products and worked with a, a really mean old woman who listened to soap operas over the radio or maybe Taco Bell, which really wasn't the worst, but it was like the physically the hardest job I've ever had. I did had. not know you worked at Taco Bell. I worked at a Taco Bell That's the amazing. year I lived. I went to college my junior year in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I worked at a Taco Bell there. And then when I came back and finished college in Massachusetts, they were putting a Taco Bell on campus. And I actually managed the Taco Bell on campus my senior year of college. Uh, while I took six or se and or seven classes per semester so I could graduate on time and I worked full time and I took six or seven classes and um, it was quite, that was quite an interesting six months or year of my life. So <laughs> there's imagine. that. That's my story. So Michael, how did you, uh, so Michelle has asked us a question. Why did you choose massage as a career? So you didn't really choose it as a career, but talk about oh, yeah. how you got into massage. I'll, I'll go first because my story is kind of, <laughs> kind of like, so, so going into, so by the way, for those who don't know, I mean, I, I obviously, many of you know, I run a marketing agency and some other stuff uh, as well, but uh, I actually worked as a massage therapist for many years. By many, I mean, I think three years, three and a half years. So maybe not many, but uh, so <laughs> Becoming a massage therapist was both the the coolest thing I've ever done and the dumbest thing I've ever done at the same time. <laughs> it was very cool because it led me to meet people like Alyssa and you know, Massage Business Blueprint and a wonderful community of friends in the massage world that I just love to pieces. And so 
wonderful thing for just life connections. But here's how I chose massage. I said, hmm, that looks like an interesting career. Um, I've got a credit card. Um, massage school costs about six grand. I'm going to swipe on a credit card and go to massage school and see what I, what I think. That's exactly what I did. No thought process, no reasoning, no research. I simply said, hey, I'm going to look at massage schools and just I put the whole thing on a credit card, which those who know me now because you know how like money focused I am and how you know I, I'm coaching people on budgeting and getting out of debt and everything. Back then, I mean, you would just like, <laughs> you would just die because I literally swiped the whole six grand on a credit card and paid all the interest and it was just stupid. So anyway, got through massage school. I actually loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun and uh, really enjoyed the experience. I actually um, started working, uh, renting a room out of a clinic in Muncie, Indiana from uh, uh, my friend Luann, who was an AMTA. She gave me my first uh, space for uh, a massage office. I uh, worked there for a couple of years, moved to Indianapolis and got a job at a day spa, which I really enjoyed as well. It was kind of fun to just kind of walk in and have all the stuff taken care of and all the equipment, and everything. I just kind of walk in and do massage and, and leave. And so a lot of fun there. And then the day spa actually closed. They went out of business after a while. And at that point I was like, okay, I've kind of run, run my course here with massage. I, I realized it's definitely not going to be my, my full-time focus because I can't do that. Plus my marketing agency, which is my, my full-time focus and kind of let the, the career part of it fizzle out, but stayed in touch with the community. And that has been just phenomenal. I just love the massage community. Um, I could just spend the rest of my life working in the massage community all day long, which is why we made Massage Business Blueprint, I think. So oh, yeah. that's my story. My that, very... And it's a good one. And I actually didn't realize that you weren't living in Indianapolis when you first started massage. So I'm learning stuff. So yay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I got out of college- Sorry, I got. I was really good, actually. I got to mention that. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Therapist. Sure, it's good to have a backup then. <laughs> so I graduated from college with a degree in liberal studies. Tossed around the idea of going to law school. Decided to not do that. But when I got out of college, I actually got very, very sick the last month of college and um, almost couldn't graduate on time because I couldn't finish all my finals. So. I managed to get through my finals, but I had to move back home uh, right when I graduated, which hadn't really been part of the plan, but I was sick and we still don't know why I was sick. It was like I had a stomach virus and strep throat for like three months. And so I was super sick. And then when I got better, I uh, was still like fatigued. Like I could get up and do things for like two hours and then I would have to take a nap. So I ended up applying for a job. Um, when I started to recover a little bit from the fatigue at a CVS pharmacy that was opening up in my area, like two towns over. And I literally went in and applied to be the Hallmark card girl because I just wanted something simple while I figured out what I was going to do next. And I'd kind of decided what I was going to do next was go to a paralegal program, which I did. I went through Northeastern's paralegal program nights and weekends um, several months after I got out of college. But one of the CVS pharmacy people saw my well saw my application and saw that there was a resume stapled to it, saw that I had a bachelor's degree, handed it to a pharmacist who handpicked me and said, please come work in our pharmacy. And for nine years, I worked in retail pharmacy. And it was a really cool nine years to work in retail pharmacy. And it was before like insurance and pharma pharmacy became what it is today. So I worked in pharmacy as a technician. It was really good until it wasn't when... Retail pharmacies started being managed differently and pharmacists and technicians get a really raw deal and the stress got to be so much and then I got a bad pharmacist boss 
who messed up my hours. And by then I was married and I had a stepdaughter at home and they were messing with my hours and it was a miserable environment. And I cried every day before I went to work. And my husband was like, um, yeah, you need to quit that job. And about the same time, my parents had given me a couple of gift certificates for massage. And I think my dad had like prepped his massage therapist to say, to like start telling me about massage school. So I went in for a massage. This woman told me all about massage school. And the next day I got online and completed an application and applied and went to the open house and got accepted and started massage school a couple months later. So I did, I think, eight or nine years in, in pharmacy and then started in massage. And I didn't think it was going to be the last thing I ever did. And I don't necessarily think that now, but it's, it, it worked. So that's how I chose massage as a career because pharmacy made me want to cry every day. And uh, my husband at the time insisted that I find something else to do. Hmm. That's my that. massage story. That's that's much better than mine. <laughs> it, no, no, it's not. Oh, and not for nothing, but like my massage school, actually, uh, the total amount I took out in loans was $16,000. Whoa. Um, but that covered everything. And mind you, I went to like probably that one of the top few schools in the Northeast to Bancroft okay. School of Massage Therapy. So all told for everything, every book, my, my uniform shirt, my massage table, everything start to finish in total was about fifteen five. So I took out a $16,000 loan. Um, which I will be making the last payment on the other day or, or it, in a few days. Nice. So, yay. Congrats. Um, uh, clearly, I like have paid it off incredibly slowly, but um, <laughs> hey, nonetheless. Didn't, like, swipe a credit card for the full amount. Yeah. You know, I, I dream of being able to do that one day. Like I have a client who buys um, a new Lexus like every three years and he puts it just like on his Amex and then pays it all off. Like he's like, oh, I get some mad points. I didn't pay it off for yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, the, that's no. the bad part. But that's my dream. So that's there awesome. You go. That's a, yeah. that's a cool story actually. So yeah, there you go. I'm done. All right. So Brenda <laughs> is up next. Brenda asked, how do you keep going? Keep the faith, so to speak, when business is slow or times are tough. And uh, Teresa asked a very similar question as a follow up. How do you both keep from burning out? Oh, that's a, that's a good one, especially timing wise right now, I think. Yeah. So I'll go first. Okay. Uh, when I get so stressed out that I want to stop everything or uh, I talk to my colleagues and friends and I, I realize I, you know, I call Michael. I, and I haven't done that. I haven't had an existential work crisis in a couple of years. So I don't, there was a period where Michael was getting a call at least once a month. That was me like, I just need to work through what I'm doing. And um, so there's that. So the keeping the faith when business is slow or times are tough or when I'm feeling burnt out, the bottom line here is that I don't have a choice. I am single. I am self-employed. There was a period of time where I was doing some teaching and getting a little income from that, where I was doing a little social media consulting and getting a little income from that, but never enough to sustain me. So the bottom line is that I did not have a choice. If I wanted to eat, and if I wanted to continue to pay my rent, I needed to hustle. And even if I wasn't feeling particularly happy about it, I needed to do that if I was going to eat. So, and this is the part where I uh, heads up on the explicit warning. There were several years of building my business when I, you know, had gotten divorced. Again, I have no children. I was very lonely. And when and lonely in my business and a little lonely in my personal life. And 
when things would get really hard in my business, I, I would say to myself, and I apologize for the crassness, I will suck cock on the street before I will go back and work in retail pharmacy. <laughs> the only other thing I was qualified to do at the time was to work in retail pharmacy. And at this point, I'm not even qualified for that because I've been out for so long, I'm completely outdated. But I, in, in my head, I, I said that to myself. And when I talk to people, I said that. There is no way in hell I will go back to that work environment where I would cry before I went in every day and I would work with a bunch of bitchy, abused, unhappy people in a retail pharmacy environment. I just won't do that. And so for me, that helped to remind me of why I was working as hard as I was and as hard as I am to build my own business. It is not easy. It is painful. I was probably unhealthily codependent on my work for a long time. I became a massage therapist and like two or three years later, uh, I left my husband and I have no doubt that I became codependent on my work because it was the only thing I had in my life. I am not saying that that is healthy, but damn, I built a good business. So that, but that does get old. So in the past few years, as my business has been a little more successful and I've been able to not work as much in the past few years, I've said a no to a lot of things. I don't travel and teach anymore. The money just doesn't make it good enough, worth it for me to leave my office. And I don't enjoy the traveling that much, which is why we do this stuff online. I play a lot more now. It took me uh, eight years of seven or eight years of dating after my um, divorce to like learn about relationships and find a good one and be a worthy partner. So I got that going on now. So to keep from burning out now, I make sure that I schedule lots of non-work time as much as I can manage. I work really hard at when I'm working, staying focused on my work. And when I am not working, not focusing on my work at all. That's a balance. Uh, dating someone with children definitely helps with that because when you are at the zoo, it's hard to be doing work on your phone or thinking hard. And when some kid wants to, I was a parent's night at the school last night. It's, uh, it's hard to be working when you have a kid in front of you that's awesome and desires your attention. So grasping that has been really good. But that's how I keep from burning out. Like one, I don't have the choice. I don't have the luxury of burning out or stopping what I'm doing because um, I don't have another income. This is it. And uh, yeah, so that's my story and that's how I handle that. A little long-winded, but I hope also useful for people. Michael, go. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, you know, you call friends and you call me and you haven't done that for recently, but uh, I think it's kind of flipped because it was last month that I actually called you literally in tears because there was a really, really rough patch going on in my marketing agency, uh, just a ton of unexpected expenses and work and all sorts of potential doom and gloom scenarios on the horizon. And I just lost it. I just had enough. I was like, I cannot do this. Like I'm worried about all these things. I'm worried about, you know, this company. And I called you and I was in tears and I was like, I just, I just need to talk. And uh, and you, you helped. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we do. <laughs> you could do that 20 more times and still not catch up to me, but okay. <laughs> but it's actually very rare. I'm not a talker. When I am depressed or I have problems, I bottle it up inside and I just keep it there and I like fester and I don't talk to people. So it's pretty rare that I like force myself to actually talk about it. And every time I do, it helps. So that really did help a lot. And that's something that I encourage people to do as well. If you're like me and you don't 
find it comfortable to open up about your, you know, crappy, negative, depressed feelings, like force yourself if you can sometimes to talk to someone that you love and trust. And it really does help even if you don't think it does. So I do that sometimes, not, not as often as, as some, but I do. Um, I also, if I'm getting burnt out and things are just not going well, I often, I have a little trick that I've learned about myself and this may not help others because everyone's different, but if it helps you, I allow myself to wallow. I, I yep. found that if I'm one of the, if a lot of people say, well, if you're having a rough time, you know, smile, uh, you know, put on a happy face, you know, force yourself to be happy and it kind of helps. So maybe for some people it does. For me, it does not. For me, it continues to like this dichotomy of faking happiness and actually being depressed, wrestling with each other just makes it worse for me. So what I do is I just get depressed and I just wallow. I just say, you know what? I'm in a crappy mood. I feel terrible. I'm depressed. I'm worried. I'm stressed. And I'm just going to like be that way. And it may take a few days for me just to be that way. And what I found is that helps me kind of get through it faster because that cyclical action of me just going with the grain of being in a crappy state um, helps me start the upward trend back much quicker because I can come out of it and process it better. So it helps me a lot. I don't know if anyone listening is like that as well, but it helps me quite a bit. You know, we might have to do a whole podcast on that because that is a hugely important strategy that I learned from Gretchen Rubin and her happiness project was she has a schedule time to worry tip, like literally write it in your calendar. Like, okay, I have this situation coming up. It's stressing me out. Uh, this 30 minute time frame on Friday, I am going to schedule to worry about that. I'm going to write all the pros and cons of the situation and I'm going to flip out about it then, but I'm not going to flip out about it until then. And I very much employ that. Like if there's something stressing me out, I make a note in my to-do list about think how, when to think about that thing and deal with it. And I don't put it too far away, so far away that I can start worrying about procrastinating about it, but that has definitely helped me. And Again, scheduling time to wallow or allowing yourself time to wallow, that happens to me too. I found as someone who deals with intermittent general depressive disorder that if I don't have a particular deadline to stop wallowing, so like I might decide I'm going to take a whole Sunday off, stay in bed, binge watch something on Netflix, but then I make sure to schedule a Monday morning coffee or breakfast or appointment so that I cannot let that carry over into my work week. Yeah. So for me, the, that adding that kind of structure to my wallow really helps. So pro right. tip, there you go. <laughs> well, yeah. So that, uh, and actually now I've, last month was brutal for me. And now I'm um, coming, coming out of it in a place where I can feel like I'm seeing the light again. And uh, there's still some problems ahead. But in general, that, that helps me quite a bit to let myself get to that low point. So that helps. Uh, I also find that... Uh, cleaning my desk and cleaning my environment helps quite a bit. Uh, usually if I'm, you know, getting burnt out or, you know, times are tough or things are just really getting to me, I let, you know, papers pile up on my desk. Um, I let my house get messy. I just kind of, you know, I don't make the bed in the morning stuff like that. Little dumb stuff that piles up. And I found that if I just say, you know what, I'm not going to think about all this business adulting crap that's just kind of, you know, weighing down on me. I'm just going to put it aside and I'm going to do something I can control with precision. And that is I can clean my desk. I can make my bed. I can clean the house. I can do whatever I need to do to make my environment orderly and clean and comfortable. And that helps me so much because it's something I can control. It's, it's a very specific action. Uh, it clears out my space. So little stuff like that really helps me quite a bit because then I can kind of clear my head and think about the big stuff. Word. 
Also, I agree with playing more. Um, my instinct, uh, probably like you and like a lot of other people, is when things get tough, you just kind of work yourself to death to try to make up for it. Usually, that's time for me to shut down, close the computer, walk away, and you know, go pick up Eli from daycare and go to the park for two hours and just not think about anything because I just need to get out in some sunshine and just play and just get away and kind of recharge my batteries. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. Sweet. And now it's time for our halftime note. Oh, there Let's we go. Bust on out of that. <laughs> Let's get out of the depths of depression back to happy place. Sorry, we have more questions after this break. Um, we are thrilled to have to, to be talking about one of our newer sponsors, Center for Barefoot Massage today. The Center for Barefoot Massage is pretty awesome. And they're offering Ashiatsu continuing education classes across the country. And they focus on a unique blend of anatomy-driven, game-changing, career-saving fashi-ashi courses. And that's a combination of fascia and ashiatsu, fashi-ashi courses, that will empower you to provide massage techniques with your feet. So you don't have to worry about wearing out your fingers and your wrists and your shoulders. For me, I found that doing more ashi saves my shoulder issue because I, I was doing lots of deeper pressure with my elbows and really throwing my body weight into it, but my shoulder was taking the brunt of it. So learning these fashiashi techniques, learning ashiatsu will help you invigorate your career and enhance your quality of life. And you can learn more about the Center for Barefoot Massage via massagebusinessblueprint.com slash barefoot. And you can even sign up to win a free day of training. And that's massagebusinessblueprint.com slash barefoot. Shout out to the Center for Barefoot Massage. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I'm really coffeeed up. I love it. <laughs> All right. So that's what's premium, our next? Uh, that's a premium spot. You have to pay extra for the, the song at the end now. We're gonna oh, good off. grief. Time to up our sponsorship rates. <laughs> and thank you very much to all of our sponsors for helping us keep the lights on. That really helps. Indeed. What's our next question, Michael? Oh, I want to go first on this one because your answer, I think, is going to be better. Uh, oh, go ahead. From, from Kat. And Kat asks, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? So I would not like to fight one horse-sized duck because, first of all, that would be terrifying. I mean, a duck the size of a horse, I would just, like, I mean, freak out. And an animal that big is going to have a distinct advantage uh, in a fight. So I'm definitely not going to do that. So 100 duck-sized horses, though, uh, there was not – in the question, Kat did not specify what weapons I was allowed to have. <laughs> I'm go ahead and um, kind of take a leap here and say I would like to have a, a canoe oar with me. Because I've been watching Moana a lot lately because my two-year-old loves Moana. But none of the scary parts. So if you watch Moana with Eli, he fast-forwards through the scary parts. <laughs> and I finally watched the whole thing start to finish because my partner's kids are much older than Eli. And we watched the whole thing. And I was like, this is the best movie ever. But it's Isn't a little it scary. I was like, Eli's right. It's a little scary. Well, the realm of monsters with the crab, that's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so sorry. Go parts. ahead. Yeah. Canoe so, or duck-sized so horses. Yes. In the movie, Moana uh, fights the the coconuts the kakamora uh the evil coconuts with an oar and she just like smacks them around there's like a hundred of them around her and she just smacks them with the coconuts so that's exactly what i would do i would like a, a canoe oar and i would smack the horses out of the way and divide and conquer uh with my oar as my weapon so that's my that's my answer wow okay so mine is the opposite because oh. i like duck-sized horses i feel like i would just even though they're only duck size i feel like they would trip me up and i would fall down and get trampled 
That's a good point. So I would rather fight one horse-sized duck because I think I can outmaneuver it. Like I'm pretty wiry. Like I can move pretty quick. And I think I could either outrun it because it's got those big flappy feet. So oh, I forgot I'm about not the mobility sure. Yeah, duck, I mean, right? if I was on land, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would want to do that in the water. But if I was on land, I think I could pretty easily outmaneuver a horse-sized duck because I'm not staying to fight. I am running away, maybe climbing something really, really tall until it gets just tired of, of waiting for me. But can the so, duck fly? Because ducks can fly a short distance. So A short distance. But I mean, like a horse-sized duck, like that's a lot of gravity to fight. Yeah, I'm not so, sure about the physics on that one. You're right. So that is, and I, yeah, so I would rather choose the horse-sized duck. Um, but that said, I think I could, I could nail it either way. Or I'm kind of one of those like... I'm not really a, a fight or flight person. I'm kind of a freeze person. So I think in, in faced with this kind of situation, I'd probably be like, all right, just, just take me, just trample me right now. I'm done. I don't need this. So, so coming off of our question about how do you like, you know, push through like adversity now, it's like, okay, I'm going to lay down and let the horse sized duck. I am. I'm just going to let the duck trample me. Or maybe he just wants to be friends. Maybe I could ride the horse sized duck. Just saying. Hmm. Um, so thank you, Kat, for that question. It actually added some important levity. I have some. I have a picture of like uh, you going all never-ending story by riding this horse-sized <laughs> duck around. Right? Back. <laughs> Maybe I could woo the duck. I don't know. It, this could be okay. Massage the duck. Right. So our next question is from Jen. And any first careers like some of us, and we both already talked about that, so we'll just move past that. But who are your go-to inspiration sources in the massage business, hmm. Michael? Or do you want me to go first? Because I have notes. Um, as far as go-to sources for inspiration in the massage business specifically, I'm going to be all cheesy and I'm going to say our premium members because the discussion in there. You stole is, my answer. Oh, did I? Oh, I'm so I, sorry. That's all right. Go ahead. You do did yours. You I'll do that? mine. Oh, you know what? You did, I'm sorry. I swear I didn't read it. You did say it's that. It's okay. You just go on. Just take it. Just take it from here. So uh, Michael and I do find a lot of inspiration from you and it is cheesy, but, and not just our premium members, but everyone who listens and reads and sends us questions and puts in comments, you really are our biggest inspiration because any a bit of advice we have cannot be universally applied. So when you give us feedback or when you ask us questions and it's detailed, like I have a small one-person massage practice in this type of community, this is what I've tried, but it's failed, this is what I've tried, but it succeeded, that is how we learn and that is how we are inspired to pass on those really customized bits of information to any of our readers to whom that may apply. So excuse my grammar in that last sentence, but here's an example. My friend Tracy Bradley in Arkansas years ago called me. We did like, she became my friend because we did like a little one-on-one -on -one consult and I was all like, you need to try email marketing. I think it would work for you. And she hustled and tried it for like five months until she finally was like, my clients hate email. I do much better with Facebook. And I was like, oh, yeah, Alyssa, this doesn't work for everybody. And that was an important lesson for me as an educator, but also to realize the value of everyone's individual experience, what they've tried, how they've tried it, how it failed, how it succeeded, maybe figure out why, and then being able to really apply all of that really important detail to all of the advice we give. That's what I have. Um, nice. I don't, and I'll fess up, I don't really have any inspiration sources within the massage business. 
See, that was my thing too. I couldn't think of anybody. Uh, yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, I kind of made the decision to disconnect from most other massage business advice venues. Some of it's great, but I was getting so distracted by it, and I was, I was comparing the stuff that I was saying and and building to other people in the massage business, and that was that was dumb of me. I was getting distracted by it. It was affecting my ability to create, so I just stopped. I stopped inputting all but a few bits of information. So like I unsubscribed from every newsletter, I unfollowed every page. The two people who I do get regular advice from is a guy named Rob Hatch, who is part of Owner Media Group, and you can find him at owner.media. And I'll put these links in our podcast notes. He does a Thursday email, and it's really more about productivity and thoughtfulness than it is about business tactics per se, but that really helps me. And I follow a woman named Lori Rudiman, and it's the spelling on Rudiman is really tricky, so I'm not going to bother, but the notes will be in the podcast uh, section. So she used to be like an HR director, and I have found her emails and her blog to be extremely useful as far as learning about business leadership and yeah, I'm going to stick with that. And also, she's very funny. So I'll put those notes in there. But Michael, who are your favorite resources, even outside of the massage business? Sure. A lot of them are marketing and tech. Uh, so I like Chris Brogan. Uh, he's part of Owner Media. He's uh, actually the owner of Owner Media. And uh, I also like Christopher Penn. Uh, he is very uh, technical. He's got a lot of uh, specific technology-related advice when it comes to marketing. So I like his stuff. Uh, he's at ChristopherSPenn.com, I believe. Okay. Um, those are two that come to mind. Um, I'm kind of like you. I actually really kind of whittled down my consumption of digesting stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say those two are probably top of mind. And then I, I would say I have sources, not really people necessarily, but sources. So on the money side, I'm really into Investopedia right now. Um, they have articles every day that teach you new stuff in finance and kind of keep you up to date on trends. I'm a finance nerd. So I like Investopedia quite a bit on the money side. And that's probably a good list for me for now. Uh, Dave Ramsey on the money side, obviously. Dave Ramsey is kind of my go-to for money, thought, leadership in general. Um, yeah, if I think of anyone else, I'll let you know, but those are the ones that come to mind. Sweet. Our next question is from our friend Sarah. If you could no longer do what you are currently doing for Alyssa That's Massage and Michael running a marketing agency, what would you do? Uh, I think I would make an excellent personal assistant to someone. I am uh, good at multitasking light things, not deep thinking. I try to single task deep thinking and, and writing. Uh, but I'm, I'm good at like juggling lots of things. So I think I would be an excellent personal assistant. And the next bit is something I would like to be one day, which is I would like to be a competent financial advisor for very small businesses. Really? Yeah, you know that. Well, I... I kind of suspected, like you mentioned it maybe once, uh, like one time recently, but I didn't really think much of it because I was kind of in passing. So that's cool. I didn't yeah, but, for, about that. but specifically for very small micro businesses that yeah. like, like a massage practice, because so much of the advice we get from CPAs and from like tax attorneys and stuff and tax preparers is information that is useful to a small business that's like, you know, 50 employees, but not really useful mm -hmm. to one person shops. Yeah. And, you know, like the whole LLC conversation, like so many people get talked into LLC when they don't need to be mm -hmm. um, liability or financially wise. So 
Um, and it's, it's such an individual question that I found that CPAs that really service larger small businesses are not giving great advice for micro businesses. Yeah. So at some point I would like to, to really, you know, when I'm done with massage, I'm ready to phase out a massage and maybe that will never happen. That's a thing that I would like to do. That's so, fantastic. That's my Love stuff. It. What's your stuff, Michael? Uh, actually, <laughs> well, kind of something I'm already doing, which you mentioned financial advisor. That's something I, I'm launching a career into as well. So uh, if not doing marketing, uh, it would be in finance, uh, actually, just like you. So that's really interesting. And, you know, this is the thing, like, at some point, I'm just going to end up working for Michael. Like, we should all just accept this because I am, when it comes down to it, inherently lazy. And if I don't have an accountability partner or someone holding me to a certain standard or schedule or production routine, then I would just be in my underwear eating nachos, watching Netflix all day, waiting to get evicted from my apartment. So there's that. Um, so, yeah, you know, stay tuned. And I, and I think that the... Again, from all of you being our inspiration, the, the, the number of business and financial questions that have come to, come to us, and not just marketing, like business functioning, business practices, financial stuff that has come from all of you, especially our premium members, has really, I think, incited Michael and I to do more and more financial resources. And I have no doubt that that is an evolution uh, maybe even a separate branch that we will create for this one day. I don't Ooh. know. So, I mean, there's that, like the bottom line is I'm going to end up working for Michael <laughs> one way or another. He's been offering me, you know, to, he's been suggesting I apply for a spin web jobs since I met him. So it's going to happen at one point. And I'm like literally like one failed relationship away from moving to Indianapolis at any given time, just so I can like work with Michael and he can hook me up with the single friends. So well, you're going to end up on my Primerica team here um, at some point. So Yeah, I'm going to end up in your that. guest room is what's going to happen. <laughs> so, oh my God, Michael wait. and Ariana are just the most lovely hosts ever. <laughs> so, help, goodness gracious. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's it. That is our last question. Michael, what else do you have to add? What else do you feel like people need to know about us? Man, that was a lot of fun, actually. This is like probably our longest episode outside yeah. of like the sexual harassment episode. And <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was only like rude and crass one time. But I hope that this has helped you. I mean, you know, there's a little bit of obnoxiousness here uh, talking about ourselves for this long. But I hope that this has helped you see that we are very normal people. We've gotten a lot of messages lately from people who feel like a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like everybody thinks I have it so together, but I just feel like a crap show inside. And everyone thinks I'm really well organized, but I'm a couple months behind on my rent. Or everyone thinks I've got it together, but I've got three employees who are totally taking advantage of me and I have no idea how to handle with it, uh, handle it. You know, and the reality is we, we're all like that. And if you are even listening to this podcast, if you are even reading our resources, if you are even thinking about improving your business or marketing skills or your massage practice or your massage career overall, you are so far ahead of most of your peers and colleagues. I wouldn't even call them peers and colleagues at this point. So really know that any effort to improve your skills puts you pretty far ahead of the pack and you're probably going to do okay. Yeah, I would say there's probably what, like there's 300,000 massage therapists in the U.S. is what I've heard at one point. Um, I think that's a figure from a few years ago. And I would say we have an audience of maybe 20 to 25,000 that know about us. Would that be yeah. fair to say you think? Yeah. So, yeah, so you got a competitive advantage here. Yeah, you're the cream of the crop. Woo. -hoo. 
And thank you. And thank you very much for these questions. Thank you. If you made it this far in this podcast of us talking about ourselves, uh, thank you for that. And keep the questions coming. You can email us at podcast at massagebusinessblueprint.com. If you find us helpful, leave us a review, please, in iTunes or Google Play or wherever you're listening to us. That helps other people find us, and that's really important to us. And if you find us useful, tell us that and shop our sponsors. Our sponsors are really helping us keep the lights on over here and make it so that we can offer lots of free stuff to you and lots of stuff to our premium members as well, but they pay for that. So really, we really shop our sponsors and tell them that you found them through us. Thanks, people. I'm done blathering. This has been long enough. I'm sorry. That's okay. You stole my outro, so I'm done too. Ha ha. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye.